Thank you for listening to the Faith Bible Church podcast. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit us at faithbiblemd.org. I invite you to take your copy of the Word of God and turn to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis, yes. I'm going to continue on looking at the uh, folks from the By Faith chapter. And this is quite a account. Let's read this whole chapter. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sights and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house and all that he owned, he put into his charge. It came about that from time to time, he made him overseer in the house and over all that he owned. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus, the Lord's blessing was upon him, all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there would, did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So that's how much he gave him power over everything. This guy, all he does is just get up and figure out what he wants to eat today. He doesn't have to do anything else. What a great life. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. He's put all that he owns in my charge. There's no one greater in the house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside. She called to the men of the house and said, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left the garment beside her until the master came home. Then she spoke to him in these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to make sport with me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Now, when the master heard the words of his wife, which spoke to him saying, this is what the slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him, put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in jail. But... The Lord was with Joseph, extended kindness to him, gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. And the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge 
because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Everyone faces disappointments in life. Often things don't work out the way we plan them. Things don't come together the way we hoped. Sometimes doors get slammed in our faces and try as hard as we can. We just can't seem to open them up. Now, we get it when we've done something wrong, right? I'm speeding and I get pulled over. That's not an unforeseen hardship. I did that to myself. I didn't study and I failed a test. I guess that's to be expected. But what about when you're doing good, trying to be kind and helpful and doing the right things, doing what God says to do, and instead of feeling blessed, getting rewarded, bad things are happening to you? Well, this would be what we would call a test of faith. I'm working hard, but I can't seem to get ahead. I'm doing everything everyone's advised me to do, but nothing's working. On the contrary, I'm suffering setbacks. I keep experiencing hardships. That's what I want to help us develop some perspective on today, making sense of the struggle. Why are things working against me? This is Joseph's life. All of chapter 39, isn't it? We haven't seen him do anything wrong, and yet calamity befalls him. He's a victim of other people's wickedness. You know why Joseph's brothers are so angry at him. Like we said last week, it was, you know, he had this privilege that his father loved him more than the rest of his brothers, and that made them upset. But also, uh, I didn't tell you this part of the story last week, Joseph had dreams. God showed him visions in his dreams, and then he shared these dreams and it really offended his brothers because the prophetic dreams showed that Joseph would be in a position of power over his family and they would be bowing down to him. Oh boy, did that make the big brothers really upset. They hated the message of those dreams, those prophecies. And that's relevant because this is a book of prophecy. This is the word of the Lord. And when we tell people what it says, they too can get very upset. And this relates to the audience of the book of Hebrews because they too were people trying by faith to accept the prophecies of the Messiah that Jesus had fulfilled. They were, they were proclaiming the truth in the word of God and the rest of their people, their nation, was rejecting it. And by the way, we are still studying through the book of Hebrews even though it seems like we're now doing the book of Genesis. That's because the author of Hebrews is pointing back to the people of faith in the Old Testament to make a point to the audience. So in a general way, the book of Hebrews deals with this tremendous struggle that is involved in leaving one religious system for another. There is a violent wrenching of old ties, the stresses and tensions of alienation, and the formidable pressure exerted on the person to come back to walk away from this faith and return back to the Judaism. But in the letter of Hebrews, the problem is not just a question of leaving an old system for a, you know, a different religion of equal value. No, it was the matter of leaving Judaism for Christ. The writer shows this involves leaving shadows for substance, rituals for reality, temporary for permanent, the good for the best. The problem also involved leaving the popular for the unpopular, the majority for the minority, the oppressors for the oppressed. When a Jew left the faith of his Jewish religion, he was looked on as an apostate 
and was often punished for it. He could be disinherited by his family, excommunicated from the congregation of Israel, loss of employment, loss of livelihood, mental harassment, physical torture, public mockery, imprisonment, and even, like Stephen, martyrdom, death. The escape route from all that pain would be to renounce Christ and return back to the Judaism, and that persecution would all stop. And one may very well do that. They may decide, I don't really believe Jesus is the Messiah. I don't really believe he's the Son of God. I don't really believe he's coming back again. Therefore, suffering for him would not be worth it. But if you will suffer being disinherited from your family, excommunicated from your community, a loss of employment, livelihood, mental harassment, physical torture, public mockery, imprisonment, and death, this proves that you really do believe that Jesus is the way, the only way to God. All the disciples, except for John, who mixed studying in the book of Revelation, right? They all died for their faith. They were all martyred. They willingly died to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah, and salvation only comes through faith in him. So the faith that the author is arguing the Hebrew audience maintains and not deserts is something very hard to practice. It means you're going to have to be willing to stand up for it, believe it when nobody else does, Sacrifice for it when it costs you everything. This is the test of faith. This is the kind of faith that does not sell out. It will not lie for profit. And it will not yield even for the sake of personal safety. And this is relevant to us here in 2023 because we live in a day and age when people are rapidly falling away from the faith. Like the book of Hebrews, our nation is rejecting this book. Prophecy, rejecting the word of the Lord. And as believers, our faith is going to be tested and the tests are not going to stop and they're just going to, as time goes on, they're just going to intensify. We look around at the world and we see people are prospering who do evil, right? We got multimillionaires ruling our nation who gain their wealth by breaking the laws. They abuse their power and position and amass huge fortunes. They sell the nation out, but they are above the law. And if you speak the truth, and try to shed light on that, they'll often destroy you for that. And more and more, it's obvious that people have concluded, well, if you can't beat them, just, just join them. That's how you get ahead in life. You just embrace the corruption. And we see everywhere's wholesale moral failure. Everywhere's in society. No, no, Pastor Rob, that's, that's just, you know, that's just D.C., that's the federal government, those big cities. But, you know, down here in Southern Maryland, we don't have any of that here. You know, we just got Amish and buggies, and it's really nice. Did you, see the, did you see the report this past week? The assistant male principal at Leonardtown High School was arrested and charged for warrant with third-degree sexual offense, fourth-degree sex offense, sexual conduct, and second-degree assault with a, with a male student. They're in their backyard, isn't it? This growing tide of perversion destroys lives. And yet, if you try to address the root cause, if you speak the truth, you can get arrested. This past week in Canada, a 16-year-old was arrested because he was handing out Bibles on the street to trans activists. And they said that he was causing a violent disturbance. He offered a Bible, and they got offended and violent, and they arrested the 16-year-old child. His act of offering a Bible was seen as an illegal offense, not their violent response. They're not accountable. He's accountable for their reactions. So just like the audience of the book of Hebrews, these tests of faith are coming our way. We have them all the time. 
in everyday situations, and it's just not going to get any easier. But why does it have to be this way? If God is sovereign and in control, why does he make all this calamity a necessary part of our faith journey? Take Joseph for example. His brothers sold him into slavery. Do you think that would be a tragic event? A bad thing? Do do you think that might make you mad and maybe jaded? Probably a good reason to call in the question the goodness of God. He's a slave. But instead of sitting around feeling sorry for himself, he serves his master to the best of his ability, and God causes everything that he does to prosper. You know, Joseph's name, incidentally, means Yahweh has added. I think he's aptly named, since it seems to be the reoccurring theme of Joseph's life that God adds to whatever he does. It says in verse number three, at the beginning of the chapter, the master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. And that's how the chapter concludes in verse 23. The Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. The Hebrew word there is salacha, means to advance, succeed, to be profitable. But what I wanted you to observe is the fact that the things that Joseph is prospering at, they're not things he wanted to do. He didn't sign up to be a slave. He he, he didn't agree to be a prisoner. These are not positions he wanted and filled out a job application for. Said, hey, I really want to go to jail so I can run the jail for you. No, this is not what he wants to be at, but this is where he is. Anyone in a, in a job, in a, in a position, in a place, experiencing a scenario where you don't really want to be this morning? Sometimes we let the dissatisfaction affect our attitudes. I really don't like being here, so I, I will show everyone my displeasure. I, I will do such a crappy job. Everyone will know how offended I am that I have to be here. I will make this environment as toxic as possible. I hate this, and everyone's going to feel my hate. Yeah, that's, that's probably the best way to, you know, get someone to promote you. You know, you, you're really going to create a great opportunity to advance. Uh, people will look at that bitter disposition and conclude, yeah, I really think this is a good person to put on my team. You know, they know how to excel. While I could assume being sold into slavery by my brother's, being falsely accused for a crime and being punished for something I did not do would be a horrible, painful, despairing experience. Joseph doesn't allow the environment to change his character. He doesn't allow the injustice to alter his attitude. He doesn't let the bad things happening to him turn him bad. No, he just keeps being who he is regardless of where he finds himself We see probably his best character quality is he's very responsible. He knows how to work. He knows how to manage. He's very efficient. And he knows how to excel. So he excels at being a slave. How about that? Verse number two. The Lord is with Joseph. He became a successful man. He was in the house of the master, the Egyptian. Joseph found favor in the sight. Verse four. Became his personal servant and made an overseer of his house. And all that he owned, he put in his charge. And it came about that from the time he made him overseer of the house over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. And then he excels at being a prisoner. Isn't that weird? He's the best prisoner they ever had in that jail. 
The Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. Jailer committed to Joseph charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. Jailer didn't supervise anything under Joseph's charge. The Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. He's so responsible, people just keep giving him responsibilities. Question for you. Are you only good when good things happen to you? Are you only kind when people are kind to you? Are you only into being productive when it's prospering you? A couple of summers ago, our community dumpster caught fire. That was fun. Fourth of July, it's like fireworks going off in there. And uh, so the whole thing burned and it melted the, the plastic top. So we needed a new dumpster. So the company brought us a new dumpster. And it likewise had the plastic top that, you know, it's easy to open to throw your trash in. But the old dumpster also had doors on the side. And the new dumpster had doors on the side. So you can open them, throw them in. Now, the old one had metal doors that were very stiff and rigid and hard to open. And uh, the new one had plastic doors that were really easy to open. Well, that's better, right? That's an upgrade. No, it's not. <laughs> You wanna know why? Because the animals found out that it's really easy to open too, and they were getting in there, and they were digging in the garbage and finding things they wanted to eat, and then they would pull it all out and leave it all over the yard, and every time I take my garbage to the dumpster, I end up picking up everybody else's trash and dirty diapers and all that stuff and throwing it back in. It's kind of gross, you know? I don't even like picking up my own kids' dirty diapers, let alone somebody else's in the neighborhood. It's not my job. I don't get paid for that. Well, then why would you bother doing that, Pastor Rob? Well, it's my community, and I don't want to live in a community that's trash. Therefore, I clean it up, not for pay, simply because I like tidy. If you like things clean, you clean up, simply because that's a value to you. If you like things to be good, you do good things. You do things that make things better. If you like kindness, you do kindness to create an environment of kindness. In other words, you do it because it's the right thing to do. It's not in your character to be irresponsible and make things worse. Rather, it's in your character to make things better. And this is what we see with Joseph. Everything he does, the Lord prospers. I wonder why. Well, it said that he's a good-looking guy, right? Did you catch that? He's very handsome. I think he's, I think he's cut, said his, his form. So, not like me, you know, <laughs> Nice physique. You know, maybe the Lord just thinks he's really attractive. Is that, is that what, what it is? Is that why God prospers you? I hope not. The psalmist tells us, right? We know this one. We say it all the time. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the... I don't know why I'm standing here with you guys. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he... Meditates day and night, and then he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season. His leaf will not wither, and whatsoever he does, well, there it is. Everything he does will prosper. When people obey God's commandments, when they flee from sin and delight in doing the God's word, God prospers them. One's character, your actions, reactions, the values you live by, when these things reflect the word of God, God blesses you for the sake of his word. Look at Psalms 19. David says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the 
Ooh, I relate to that one. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. All these young fellows going out there, graduating, getting jobs, making the money. More to be desired are they than gold. What's the value in gold right now? It keeps going up, right? This, which we're doing right here, that is more value than gold. Sweeter also than honey, than the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there's great reward. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Rob. How is permitting Joseph to be, become a slave prospering him? How is it allowing a false accusation to stand that, that he ends up in prison? How is that prospering him? Well, God is prospering what Joseph is doing. He's excelling at his slave responsibilities. He's great at his prison managing duties. My first church job uh, was not pastor. My first church job was cleaning the toilets, right? Cleaning down, scrubbing the toilets. I, I acted it all out one day for you, and I looked like I knew what I was doing, so Rod Spade said, hey, pastor, you can come on back here and Christy's like, you know, get at this. So, you know, God bless me. I did that well. Cleaned those toilets well. And then I was, he's, God said, okay, you did a good job in toilets. We'll move you on to something else. You know, so I got other jobs and other ministry positions. But I learned how to serve my church family first by emptying the trashes and cleaning the toilets. The point is to live your life in such a way to have the character and the integrity that God would deem worthy of prospering. But if I can't clean a toilet properly, how could I possibly organize a youth ministry or chair a board or craft a sermon? By learning how to have good character in one area, it carries over to the next assignment. See, Joseph is excelling in the hardest situations one could ever be asked to endure. And by learning how to succeed in the most difficult of scenarios, he's learning how to succeed in more privileged and opportunistic situations as well. God is molding him and shaping him through this adversity for a time when he can prosper him beyond his wildest dreams. Is that, is that just unique to Joseph? Uh, look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, the story, everybody likes the story. It's the story of David and Goliath, right? But before we got into the fight, he had, to, he, had to, he had to sign up and get the job to fight the Goliath, even though there was nobody else applying for the job. He had to have an interview with the king, get reference forms. And um, this, is what, this is what King Saul said to him. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him. You are but a youth, while he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. And I went out after him and I attacked him and I rescued him from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by a beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he taught the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, job's yours. <laughs> May God be with you. 
In the story of David and Goliath, David felt prepared to take on the giant Goliath because as a shepherd, he'd fought and killed wild animals who were attacking his flock. He attributed those victories to God being with him. Time and time again, the Bible stories, the authors communicate to us that the protagonist is on a journey throughout his life that has ups and downs because God is preparing him for a specific task. There is a plan, a purpose, a plot unfolding that challenges the hardships, the lions, the bears, the chaos that the person is experiencing is preparing him for the big moments. Such as David, when it came time to face a giant, he connected the dots about the other battles that they had been preparing him for this moment. He trusted God to save him from a bear, from a lion, and he said, I can trust God. His faith was tested so he could trust God to save him from the giant. And we too are all on a spiritual journey. There are ups, there are downs, but what will see you through these lows, these downs, is faith. Yes, chaos, hardship will most definitely befall you, but by keeping the faith, you will be confident, you will survive, you will overcome. God's plans and purposes are going to result in prosperity. Okay, but still, if God's sovereign and in control, why does he make all this calamity necessary for our faith journey? Why does God give and take away like this? Well, see, there's more to our spiritual journey than just God and what he's, what he's doing, because there are evil forces at work in the world, and they are attempting to attack and tear down and destroy God's people and everything God is doing in and through them. That's always happening. That is never going to stop happening. God did not make Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. God did not make Potiphar's wife lust after Joseph and then falsely accuse him as a way of punishing him for his integrity. Those people made sinful choices of their own free will that affected Joseph's life. Many people here have been wounded by family members who have done evil. Our society is full of corrupt, vindictive people who we can fall victim to. The Jewish audience of the book of Hebrews is facing intense persecution from their own families, from their own communities, for believing in Jesus, for trusting in God. Even when we're doing good, bad things can happen. Yes, evil is done to us. And it, it will always tempt us to justifiably sin. It would be justifiable for Joseph to be bitter and not work hard for the jailer. It would be justifiable for Joseph to not work hard for the slave owner. It would be justifiable to sleep with that man's wife for keeping him in slavery. Furthermore, she repeatedly throws herself at him, so why not get some pleasure out of this difficult life that he's living? After all, everyone else has sinned against Joseph. Why shouldn't he sin against them? If you can't beat them, join them. Actually, Joseph speaks about that, didn't he? Verse number six. Actually, verse number uh, seven. And it came about after these events that the master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said, lie with me. But she, he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in this house. He's put all that he has, all that he owns in my charge. There's no one greater in this house than I. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against Potiphar? Oh, that didn't say that, did it? 
Must be a bad version. I'm going to get a better version. How could I do this great evil and sin against who? God. It's important for us to understand the wicked we do to other people that we think is justifiable is first and foremost an offense to God. Joseph didn't refrain from sleeping with Potiphar's wife because he respects and loves Potiphar. He's refraining because he doesn't want to offend his God. It is an act of faith to do good even when evil is being done against you. To be just and righteous when everything is not working out for me and I'm not getting what I want, well, that's the test of faith. Potiphar didn't have to work because Joseph was so efficient. The jailer's life was easier because of Joseph. They were prospering from Joseph's efforts, but that's okay. He doesn't begrudge that because God has a plan. There's a reason for Joseph to be stuck in this position, even against his will. And for us too, this is true. Be faithful when you don't know the plan or the reason for the calamity. Just keep being faithful. And you may never figure it out. You may never figure out why you're going through this trial, why you're going through this heartache, why things aren't working out. But I'll tell you what, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do figure it out. I, I found out something on vacation. Would you like to know what I learned on vacation this time? Little, little story from Canada for you before we go home. My brother-in-law was telling uh, us, we're sitting around having, having a meal, uh, and he was telling us that he had a, a, a friend who was down here in the States in uh, 2000. Right? And he, he had a job, and he was head of business, and he was making really good money, and everything was going very well. But 9-11 happened, and he was forced to leave the country. And we were, we, we were told, matter of fact, anyone who was allowed in the country less than two years before 9-11 was forced to leave, and all their visas were revoked. And once they were revoked, he was never able to get back in. And he never got to get back to his business. Now, as my brother-in-law is telling me the, about this tale about his friend, it dawned on me and it dawned on Ileana, that could have been us. Because in 2000, we had resigned uh, from our, our ministry at the People's Church in Truro, and we were looking to move, and we were looking down here because we wanted to get back here. Eliana really wanted to get out of the cold in the snowbanks, and she wanted to get back down here with the family. But instead, uh, I moved her to New Brunswick which is actually more snow, more snowbanks, and we were living across from cows, and the Bronx girl was now living in the most country place that you can move somebody, and uh, we were there for four years. And in that time, she'll tell you, this is kind of her testimony, but she doesn't want to preach this sermon, but she would tell you, she got really frustrated, dissatisfied, and even was struggling with depression while living in New Brunswick. So finally, after admitting to the Lord that she was discontent, upset about where we were living, upset at me, and even upset at God, she confessed all this to the Lord and asked Him, help make me content with living here in Canada. And with months of within months of praying that prayer of submission, we moved back here in 2004, got back into America. And Eliana often thought, well, the Lord was using that time to test my faith and grow me which he was, but what we didn't know until two weeks ago was if the Lord had permitted us to come into the States in 2000, we would have been booted out a year later and never allowed to return. So not only did he have us in New Brunswick to test our faith and grow us, he was also protecting us from that unforeseen consequence. 
He's telling us to wait was his way of ultimately permitting us to enter into the United States of America at the right time. He was ultimately him giving us everything we wanted. And uh, even though we didn't understand why it was taking so long, why Eliana didn't understand it was taking so long, we finally figured it out. 20 years later, we learned why God made us wait. Everyone, everyone faces setbacks and disappointments in life. Things don't work out the way we plan them. Doors get slammed in our faces and we can't open them up. You're here today. This is you. Don't lose your faith. Keep trusting. The psalmist says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. That's, what you, that's, that's all you can do today. I can't promise you big riches and blessings and prosperity, but if you wait on the Lord, he will strengthen your hearts and you will get through this time. And someday you're going to learn what it was all for. Someday. Lord, help us to be faithful. This is a test of faith. Help us to trust you and commit our way to you. And like Joseph, just go through that without it making us bitter, without making us angry, without making us depressed, that we can just do what's right, honor you, be faithful, and wait to see what you're doing with it. Give us the faith, give us the courage to do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.